best friends and introverts, welcome back to the You're So Quiet podcast, or welcome if you're joining us for the very first time. As always, I am your host, Chelsea Brown, introvert extraordinaire, or something like that. First, we gotta talk mental health. It seems like everyone I talk to is doing amazing or terrible, and I'll let you guess which camp I'm in. I'm in the terrible camp. My mental health is at like like a three. It was a two, maybe even like a 1.5 yesterday. My identity is still stolen. Amazing. I was on hold with the IRS for two hours. I finally talked to someone after vibing to the hold music for two hours. Love that for me. Can't file a police report because I don't have any information about the person that stole the identity, like where they work or anything. So that's great. And it seems like everyone is pointing me to someone else. Like no one wants to help me, but I think it's fine. Things just kind of work out and I think it'll honestly be perfectly okay. I'm going to call the IRS again today and hopefully get some answers. And you know what? Maybe it'll turn out to be nothing. I'm going to try to be optimistic, which is a new color on me, but maybe it'll look good. I'm also back to playing tennis, which is great. I actually played a match this morning. Oh, we lost, but we didn't lose as bad as everyone thought we were going to. The team that we played against is notoriously very, very good. And we did lose the first set two to six. The second set we lost six, six, and then a five, seven tiebreaker. So overall, not a bad, not a bad showing for me and for my partner. I played with someone different every week and it was really fun to play with her. We had a good time and lots of laughs. So I'm really out there just to get get some exercise and run around, which is pretty much what I did. So I'm I can't be too upset about that. However, I I have found that my social battery is it is like an all-time low because I go to tennis. A lot of my matches start at like nine o'clock in the morning play the match usually takes maybe two hours my match might or might not be done before other people's if it's not I used to kind of hang out and talk to people and watch the other matches and now I'm just like okay I'm ready to go home I don't know I just have a very low tolerance for being around people I think so maybe that's something I'll have to build up or maybe this is just new me who knows in other news my husband and I made a cake It was so good. Chocolate cake, chocolate ganache, and vanilla American buttercream. So good. He's a very good cake baker, and I was having a horrible day. And we always say to each other, you need chocolate cake? Like, if we're having a horrible day, and if someone says yes, we will actually make the cake. And that's kind of a gauge of how how terrible your day is. If you need chocolate cake, it is an awful, awful day. So we still have that. It's it's so good. So good. I think we'll do like strawberry ganache next time and see see kind of how that works out. But that's like our, are you having a really bad day kind of code? Do you need chocolate cake? And on the topic of cake, my TV show of the week is Is It Cake on Netflix. It seemed like super corny at first. And to be fair, it is very corny. It is. The host, Cheese Master 5000. But the show itself is very interesting and I really like the bakers. So the concept is I want you to bake a cake and then you have to make it look like a realistic item. For example, one of the challenges was for someone to make a cake that looked like 
a tackle box, like a box you would take fishing with you with all your stuff in it, had to look like a realistic tackle box. They've done bowling pins, they've done duck decoys, done all sorts of stuff. And the best part is after they've made the cakes, they'll set them up with four decoys, five total items, and the judges and you at home have to decide or determine which is the cake. And it's like way harder than you think it would be way harder and it's honestly it's just a fascinating show something really nice and easy and wholesome so if you're looking for something like that highly recommend and just just set yourself up with the expectation that it is going to be corny because it is it's fine so today we are doing an advice column geared specifically for my introvert babies out there I did put a question box on my Instagram story at your so quiet pod, Y-O-U-R-E, so quiet pod, and I got some good responses. So I'm going to give advice. Disclaimer, obviously I don't have all the answers. If I did, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now, <laughs> but I don't have all the answers. But I feel like sometimes we ask for advice not because necessarily we want to know what someone thinks that we should do but we want to hear other perspectives and sometimes reinforce what we already know. So I picked five questions and I'm just going to go through them nice and casual. I have not prepped any any answers, which is kind of unusual for me. I like to start with an outline, but I thought that it would be fun to do completely off the cuff. So uh, we'll see how it goes and how much hell I put myself through in editing. (laughs) Okay, so first question. How to not be a pushover when you're an introvert and too nice. Uh, words cannot describe how much I relate to this. I, I really hate conflict and I don't know if it's conflict. I hate confrontation. It makes me very uncomfortable. I am the person where if I feel like you're yelling at me, even if you're not yelling at me or even raising your voice, I will cry. One million percent. <laughs> So something that I have adopted, especially in the last five, 10 years, is the three, two, one rule. And the rule is you, in your head, you say three, two, one, go. And when you say go, you have to just say whatever it is. For example, I walk my dog in my neighborhood every single day. And there is a guy in the neighborhood that also walks his dog. Um, I think he does every day, but I don't see him every day. But when he got his his dog, it was a rescue and I was really trying to, I was being overly nice, like let's be perfectly honest. And I was like, hey, like let's go to the elementary school. Let's let them play in the big field and see if that helps your dog adjust because it's a rescue. He had been abused, doesn't really get along with other dogs and hybrid is great with other dogs, especially dogs that are more shy. I think he feels like he has to be the welcome committee. So we did that and then I kind of started getting like weird vibes, you know, Um, I had given him my cell number so we could coordinate and he like texted me quite frequently asking if we could go walk together and whatever. And most of the time when he wanted to go walk, I was still in the middle of work. I typically work until like six-ish and then I walk hybrid and I try to walk later because it's starting to get hot and I don't want to burn his little feet. So anyway, the guy texted me and it had been several days in a row of, hey, do you want to walk? Hey, do you want to walk? Hey, do you want to walk? And scheduling hadn't worked. Scheduling hadn't worked. And then finally, I'm just like, "Uh, yep, I will be walking him later, but I prefer to walk alone. It's my me time. 
And when I tell you I haven't heard from this man since, <laughs> uh, yeah, so the thing was that I just, I don't want to be rude. You know, that was one thing that my parents really drove into me is to never be rude. And sometimes I feel like that's a detriment because I need to stop trying to be so polite. If I'm getting a weird vibe from someone, I need to just be able to say, yeah, I prefer not to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm good. And not have to, not feel like I have to validate or give you all these reasons. I, and even the message I sent, I was like, I prefer to walk alone because it's my me time. All I should have said is I would prefer not to walk with you. That's all I had to say. But I do understand the the desire to be nice and the fear of confrontation. So be firm in what you believe, but also realize that there's always a way to say it nicely but firmly and just keep repeating yourself as much as you have to. Next question. How to manage social situations. I'm not 100% sure what you mean by this, so I'm just going to give my interpretation. My guess is that you're asking when you're in a social situation, when you're at a party or a dinner or a conference, work thing, whatever, how do you do the small talk and how do you not feel super, super uncomfortable? The key is, I have found, is to listen and ask questions. A lot of times the people that are coming up to talk to you are extroverts. Introverts are not coming up to talk to you. We are hiding by the buffet, right? So if someone comes up to talk to you, they might start asking you questions. And of course, you can answer it. But then turn it around and ask them a question. Ask them a what question or a how question. Don't do yes or no questions because it'll be, oh yeah, and what about you? And then you have to talk again. So what questions, how questions, and be genuinely curious. Don't focus on the fact that you would rather not be there because that will just make time go amazingly slowly. So what questions, how questions, and it's just that simple. Uh, it It's okay. So it is simple, but it's not easy. I have spent a lot of time at conferences, especially in the last five years. Well, not the past two years, but like five years before that. And oftentimes when someone's talking to me, it's not necessarily because like they, they want to get to know me. It's, oh, we're in a social situation. So let's make small talk. So if I ask the questions and I drive the conversation, I don't necessarily have to like open myself up in that way. And maybe that's weird. I don't know. But I I hate small talk, like, like talking about the weather. Hate it. Ask, how are you doing? How's it going? And like genuinely ask and follow up on what they say. Oh, you know, it's been a rough day. Oh, it's been a rough day. Why is that? You know what I mean? Like just keep following up on things that they say and eventually the interaction will be over and you can go back home. Third question. Is it wrong to accept that I'm an introvert? I feel like I shouldn't be. This is exactly why I created this podcast, because I feel like we are taught and told that extroversion is the way to be. And I feel that, especially in my later 20s, I'm 29, I have really just accepted that this is just how I am, and I'm not going to be an extrovert. I don't want to go to parties with you. I don't want to go clubbing. 
I am good with dinners, I'm good with drinks, but to be perfectly honest, there are just certain things that I don't get joy out of. And there are certain people that I don't get joy out of spending time with. So it's not wrong to accept that you're an introvert. Being an introvert can be a superpower because the amount of knowledge that you gain just by listening to a conversation. I've been at so many dinners with technology people and I'm just sitting there eating my pasta or whatever and I'm absorbing all this information that they're talking about and I know like a lot about tech. So that's actually translated to my work. Like I actually have a technology client who's a consultant and I write blog articles for them and I'm good at it because I have spent so much time listening to tech people and one of my superpowers is listening and learning. So don't think that you have to be different to be good. You're good enough just the way that you are and anyone telling you that you should be an extrovert is probably just uncomfortable with themselves. So don't let someone else make you feel that you should be other than what you are. Being an introvert is awesome. I said it. Okay, next question. Help, I work in retail, but I'm an introvert. <laughs> yeah, so I worked in retail also for like five years. My first job was actually in retail. And then I worked retail up until I think I was 23. And then I graduated college and was able to start to get into my industry. Retail for me was like real painful because, the, okay, so I worked at a Bath and Body Works. I like the company. I worked at a Victoria's Secret, like the company also, but being the person on the floor or like out in the store among the merchandise and having to go up to someone and say, oh, how, what can I help you with? What can I help you find? And, oh, we're selling this. And there's this, like, that was just exhausting to me. Similarly, I was often on cash wrap. If you give me a script of what I'm supposed to say, I can bust through that. Oh, did you find everything okay? Okay, yep, I really like this scent. This is great. Okay, it's going to be 1837. You know what I mean? And I can get through that. But during, especially during like Black Friday, people are uh, horrible. I remember, I remember once when Black Friday shopping started beginning at the end of Thanksgiving Day. So I had to be there at midnight, like when it just turned Friday. And my shift was midnight to 8 a.m. And I couldn't sleep before, like I just wasn't tired. So I was just like, all right, I'm gonna drink an energy drink and we're just gonna get through this. And I'd been there for three hours, it's three in the morning. And this woman is trying to use like 17 coupons. And the coupons that she was trying to use would actually give her so much money back that I would have to give her money. And we had a certain limit on like how many coupons you could use. I think it was like five or six or something. Usually it's one, but they increased it for Black Friday. So I was like, ma'am, I'm so sorry. Like you can't use all these coupons. And this woman starts screaming at me. I'm, and I am not exaggerating. She is screaming at me that I basically won't give her candles for free and actually like for a profit for her. So like I'm exhausted. And I, as I said, I am someone who, if you're yelling at me, I will cry. <laughs> so I started crying. And that seemed to only fuel this person more. Like she started 
raising her voice even more, brandishing her finger at me, getting her friends in on the action, and I'm just crying. So I radio my manager. I'm like, I need someone to come to register for. I have um, a customer who's upset. So my manager comes, she sees that I'm crying, and my managers were awesome. They were like, okay, so what's going on? And obviously the woman didn't get what she wanted, and I got a little break, but it's it's just like stuff like that. I'm just, it's not even halfway through my shift. I'm doing my best. Three o'clock in the morning and you are yelling at me about candles. Amazing. So <laughs> all that not to, not to scare you, but retail I don't think is the best place for an introvert. However, I, toward the end of my, my retail career, like, five-year career. I started working in stocking at the Victoria's Secret and it was actually kind of nice because I would get there at 4 a.m. obviously well before anyone is shopping and I would like fold and put new merchandise out and make sure everything is organized. If we have to move stuff around in the store that's what I was doing. I would lift boxes and whatever. I'm surprisingly strong so that was all fine and Like that for me is like the ideal introvert job because you flat out do not have to speak to a single person. Occasionally you'll talk to your manager that's in there with you or a coworker, but it's not like you're having a conversation. It's like, okay, so hey, where do you want this to go? It says on, on the diagram that it should go here, but I think it would look better over here. What do you think? So if you're working retail and if stocking is an option, I would highly recommend that because... It, it is the most draining thing to be out on the floor trying to talk to customers and just play to your strengths, right? If you're an introvert, the, the place for you is not necessarily on the floor, you know? Maybe you're someone who can like turn it on and off and maybe you split your time between on the floor and stocking or register and stocking. That's what I did. I mostly worked stocking and my shift was like 4 a.m. to noon. So the store would open at 10 and I'd work two hours on register and then I'd go home and sleep. And that was actually not horrible, to be quite honest with you. And when people come in in the morning, it's usually slower and no one's really too spicy yet. So that was ideal. So all of that to say, you can do it. It's it's 100% possible to be an introvert and work in retail. But I don't think that it is necessarily the best place for an introvert. So if you have other options, consider other options. I also think that like what retail establishment you work at is is like a determining factor on whether or not it's a good fit for you. And I think that because I've kind of always wanted to work at a bookstore and a bookstore is technically retail. I don't know if I'd want to work at a bookstore or own a bookstore. I think I want to own a bookstore and like float in and out and just be the bookstore owner. That's that would be awesome. But I think talking to people about books and talking to people about like bras and clothing are completely different things. For me, at least, because body centric stuff really triggers me with my eating disorder past and whatever. So talking about books, I'm good to go. And I have six or seven recommendations for you. But talking about oh, well, I want this to make me look thinner and just all the whatever, like that's not a good fit for me. So just genuinely check in with yourself and see what actually works for you. And if your job makes you miserable, find a new job. We are not put on this earth to work and then die. We have to work to live. 
but we also have to live, you know? So if you're getting zero fulfillment from your job, maybe start looking for a different one. Just my two cents. All right, and our final question for today is how can I communicate better with my partner? I feel like it is easier not to say anything when I'm upset. And same, <laughs> same. So I, this could just be trauma. Growing up in my family's household, it was frowned upon to have strong emotions in a conversation. You were sometimes punished if you disagree. That kind of instilled in me that I can't talk about when I'm upset. And similarly to when people yell at me, I will cry. When I am angry, frustrated, sad, upset, irritated, I will cry. I, I really, this part of my personality really irks me because I could be livid with you, but I look so weak because I'm out here crying as I'm trying to tell you off, right? So for me, it is also easier not to say anything. But you also have to realize that this isn't going to solve your problem. You are still going to have that issue with your partner. Let's say that your partner makes jokes that you don't think are funny, but they think are funny and you know that they're just joking, but they're just not it for you. So instead of flying off the handle at them, yelling at them, scolding them, whatever, what I would do is I take time to myself. Just like I need a minute and I just can't talk about it right now, but we'll talk later. And this is how my husband and I work as well. If I'm upset about something, I need a minute. And he knows that when I'm ready to talk about it, I will. And oftentimes, for us at least, texting works better because I can just say everything that I need to say. And I can phrase it how I want to phrase it. I'm a, a writer, so it's kind of ironic to me that sometimes when I'm speaking, my words don't actually say what I want them to say. But I think that's true for a lot of introverts. Like sometimes what comes out of our mouth isn't actually what we mean, you know? So I'll take time to myself and then I'll text him and be like, hey, this bothered me. This is why it bothered me. And then it's over. Rather than, okay, I'm never going to tell you why I'm upset. I'm going to continue to be mad at you when you continue to do these things that I never told you upset me. And eventually I'm going to resent you for not reading my mind. That's not fair to you, and it's not fair to your partner. One of the hardest things is communicating when you're upset. And that goes for introverts, extroverts, everybody. Because when we're upset, we're more likely to maybe lash out or just clam up. But communicating when you're upset, especially with your partner, even at, at work or with friends, whatever, telling them what upset you is the only way that you're going to find resolution there. And if that person is not receptive to you talking about what bothered you or they, they gaslight you or they make fun of you or whatever, might not be the space for you. Is it easier to just not say anything when you're upset? Yes. Is it the best thing for the relationship? No. So take time to yourself Really think about what's, why it's bothering you. And even analyze if maybe you're having a bad day and it's not even that serious. Because that happens to me a lot. If I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, I'm just irked at everything. And I just need to also communicate that. Be like, look, I'm just having a bad day. I'm sorry I snapped at you. I'm, I'm just having a day. I'm really sorry. 
and that will avoid so much conflict and you'll be able to go about your day. So easier, yes, better, no. And on that note, we are about at the end of our time together this week. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more, please consider leaving a rating or review or both on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you'd like to participate in future episodes or just to stay up to date, you can follow the Instagram at your so quiet pod, Y-O-U-R-E, so quiet pod. That's all for now. Okay, love you. Bye. Thank you.